Today's Live at the Brentwood Show is brought to you by our friends at the Brentwood, specifically the Farrier Bar, great under-the-radar spot in Saratoga to come and get a cold beverage on a hot day. Fantastic selection of cocktails, including a Mai Tai. It says here right on the sign, it's good, try it, this is good advice. The Mai Tai, perfect for these hot days. You also have a selection of wines, beers, all kinds of good stuff. Definitely come check out the Farrier Bar when you're in Saratoga. And if you drink too much at the Farrier Bar, I'll tell you just what you need to do to uh, prevent things from getting out of control. Every other round should be one of these, a jellyfish water. Our friends who are also sponsoring us this year for these Live at the Brentwood shows, as we've said many times about Saratoga and getting through the meat, it's not the 40 days that get you, it's the 40 nights, but you can renew and refresh with jellyfish water, which I will be drinking throughout the shows here, as will today's special guest. We'll hear from a couple other sponsors later in the show, but now it's time to cue the song. Hello and welcome to Live in the, at the Brentwood. We are back in the New York Groove and uh, we're back with one of the most popular guests in the history of In The Money Media by the numbers, by the download numbers. He is in fact the number one guest. I check this from time to time because I'm sick like that. And uh, his episode of, of JK Plus One from, I don't know when that was, but I think it was at some point during the pandemic, is the most listened to show we've ever done. He's been on lots of other shows and every time he comes on, People want to hear more from him because he is uh, hes a bit of a unicorn in that he is an actual professional horse player, still grinding along, making his way in uh, in the year 2022. Not easy. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Saratoga meet. We're going to go over some races on this Saturday, Whitney Day card. I'm speaking, of course, about Duke Matisse. Duke, how are things? Things are good, Pete. It's always good to be in Saratoga. You, you've had a little bit longer of a stretch this year than, than some years. How's that How's that decision been, been working out for you <laughs> financially and uh, mentally? Mentally, uh, I'm getting a little drained because uh, a couple people keep me out late at night. <laughs> not naming any names here? <laughs> I'm not going to name any names <laughs> on that one. But but, uh, but I'm actually doing well uh, handicapping and, and gambling so far. So it's been a successful week so far. When I first learned about you, in many ways, it was through your success in contests. Curious to know, in this uh, day and age, as the contest world keeps evolving, how important are contests to, to your life as a professional horse player? I, I mean, I love the um, the NHC contest. I try to qualify for that every year. I, I, I have a pretty good record there. And um, I've missed one year, but that was during the during COVID. So that doesn't I, count. That one doesn't count. Yeah. So um, I just... I try to play them when I can, but they're not as important as the everyday gambling. I'm curious to know. Yeah, we talked about that before that for you, you know, it's been sort of the proven formula in these bigger live bankroll contests that that ability to, to push all in, you know, JK at the at the BCBC making $40,000 worth of double combinations yeah. or whatever. How does that, you know, as somebody who has to who bets a lot every day, how does that how does that model sit with you? Uh, not well. I mean, I don't like pushing pushing them all in. I'm not a not a poker player. I'm you know I'm a horse player. I don't like going all in at any point. You know, because that's not the way I treat my. Uh, that's not the way I treat my business. This is a business. I treat it like a business. So that that tournament format for me is a little bit. 
it's a little bit too much. I uh, I like some of the live money ones. I think they do some good jobs with the, the Lone Star Tournament where they make you bet a certain amount. You know what I mean? You can push them all in, but you don't have to like that. But they they need to tweak some stuff so that make it, you know, maybe more cuts. I like cuts in, in tournaments. Well, that's, that's why the NHG is, you know, one of my favorite. We got to get you. I'm, I'm, now that you've said that, I'm going to start twisting your arm to get you involved in our horse player happy hour game. So I'll, I'll, okay. I won't I won't go through all the rules here, but our, we basically at the at the end of it, if you qualify for our playoffs, which you can do either with a tour score or by finishing in the top two any week, we start with 80 people and we cut it every week. It's 80 down to 40, 40 down to 20, Love 20 it. to a final table of 10. And it's a BCBC seat at no cost to players so sounds great all right i'm gonna start sending you that link <laughs> some familiar faces in the crowd here i'm gonna start sending you sending you that link every thursday making you uh, making you come along and join us and you know benefits thoroughbred aftercare um as does this lrf cares contest today we've been encouraging people to sign up for if you're interested to learn more about that i'll just send you to the website i won't i won't do the, the full unplug for that in the moneypodcast.com slash lrf i want to ask you a question that i've been asked a lot this week because um, I'm sure you many times encounter people who are new to, to racing, looking to get their, their feet involved, what, dip their feet in the pool. What advice do you have for newer horse players when they come to, say, let's talk very specifically, it's Whitney Day at Saratoga, some new player comes to you and says, well, what approach should I have? Should I bet every race? So, you know, I, I, don't, I, I know a little bit about handicapping, but, you know, I'm not – deep down the down the rabbit hole what what's like the most general advice you have for a new horse player that's a tough question i know because i'm still trying to figure it out myself <laughs> but um i would say um concentrate on on win just betting to win or betting exactas um pick pick races that you uh have value in you know or um it's tough for a new person to get into multi-race bets yep. i would think so I would concentrate on win and exactas and uh, maybe a, a daily double here or there, but pick the races you like that have value. Don't play favorites. Look for, look for something, you know, that it's a little juicy and, and bet your money there. Take your chance. You mentioned value in this context. You're not necessarily talking about an overlay so much as you are the opportunity to get paid. If you're right, am I reading you right there? Yeah. I mean, if uh, you're looking at the race and you like, you know, Chad Brown and he's three to five, I would say just pass. You know, if you're go get a sandwich, unless you like, unless you yeah. like just cashing a ticket. Yeah. But I mean, that's not really going to get you anywhere financially. So you have to pick horses that, you know, have some kind of odds, four or five to one, you know, play an exact box with something, you know, it's, it's a tough, this game is tough because it's, it's very complicated. So it's tough for the beginner, you know, to come in and just, and get it all at once. You know, you can't, there's so much to learn. Looking for ways in is tricky. That is one of the, I mean, not to bring it back to contests again, but I guess I'm going to. That's one thing that I like about a contest format because it, it simplifies it for a new player. And it also allows you to get action in, in every single race. So a day like today, um, you know, we won't talk specifics until the second half of the show. But how many races on today's card? It's a, it's a mammoth one. We've got this early start at 1235 because we're running 12. How many of these 12 races do you project to play? A lot of them. <laughs> Not all? <laughs> well, because today there's, again, this is Whitney Day, so there's going to be a lot more money in the pools. There's going to be a lot of um, what I would call not professional money in the pools. So there's going to be much more opportunity for value today, I think. I'm hoping. So I will probably play somewhere around nine or ten of them. 
and 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 what will make that determination the final uh, your pre your predetermined opinion or what you see on the board probably relative a, to probably opinion. a combo a combo of the odds versus what what I think they should be I try to uh, project what horses are going to be and that is sometimes difficult in this day and age because of all the late money coming in so that that makes it difficult but um, I'm just looking for you know the right value the right play which is always it's always difficult to determine before until that race comes up because you got to wait for the odds and see who's taking all the money and, and you know, it's tough to get all your bets in as, as fast as you want to too that's definitely an issue yeah. let's talk about staking for a minute How, in other words the amount of money you're spending on the different opinions you make let's just make a round number let's say you're making 10 bets on a day are they all going to be in a similar range or are some of those bets going to be 10 times what others will be how do you how do you approach the general concept of, of how much to spend on each bet? Again, very difficult. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the win the win bets, I, I tend to bet um, pretty large. You know, my win bets are a much higher denomination than my exactness. So if I'm betting if I'm betting two hundred to win on a horse, I'm betting like a twenty five or fifty dollar exacta. You know, that that kind of range. If I'm betting five hundred to win on a horse, I'm probably betting. 75 to a hundred dollar exactus, you know, like, so I guess that would give you an Yeah, idea. that gives a very good idea. And is it just, is the re reasoning for that just risk and reward and strike rate, how often you're likely to hit? Is that part of what goes into that? Yeah. I think the races you like better, you better be betting higher denominations, you know, whether it be $1 versus $10, I still think you need to do that. I think when, you know, if you like the horse in the first race and he's your best bet, you, you got to come out and, and bet a good denomination on that horse, you know? So, um, you got to be willing to lose. That's that's the that's the hard the hardest part of this game. You got to you got to take your losses and come back and and try again. And hopefully you got the money to do it. The ability to take a punch, <laughs> yes, bankroll and the ability to take a punch. Two things that are underrated, I think, when it comes to assessing oh, yeah. horse players. You mentioned how difficult horizontal bets. You know, pick four, pick five, pick six can be for the novice player. How about in your own play? How much money would you say you allocate? You know, you talked about what you do, you know, your, your win play show idea or your win idea relative to your exactness. How do horizontals fit into the mix specifically in terms of like how much of your bankroll they're going to take? I, I always play one of the two pick fives on the day, and I think there's three today. Um, but I'll, I usually play the late one over the early one, but it's, I'll throw a, t a, a spread ticket in for maybe in the 150 to $200 range. That would be my spread ticket. And then I press the horses that I like more to have it multiple times. And in terms of your overall percentage of your play on the day, what would you say the horizontals are? Is that like a quarter of it? I mean, yeah, probably, uh, I would say 15, 20%. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that gives a really good perspective. Yeah. And I think it's especially wise at a meet like this, you mentioned about late odds changes. One great thing that I've noticed about the pools up here this year, I feel like there's great opportunities with the way they run the wind pool, yes. cutting off the computers with two minutes to post, you're still seeing some odds drops, but they're not like they right. they're not like they were. And I feel like when you look at some of these wind prices relative to what these horses are paying in the exotics, where the computers still have their their more full access, I think you're seeing great value in the wind pool. So not only does it reduce the level of complexity for the average player, I think you're actually getting better value from a game selection point of view. Would you agree with that hypothesis? Totally agree. Uh, I love the fact that they're cutting off the, the computer guys at you know a certain time. I think every racetrack should do that because I don't think people can 
the, the regular horse player can't determine what the odds are going to be if they're not going to do that. And a lot of times you'll bet a horse to eat the one and, and he'll go off four, you know, and you, know, you can't plan for that. How do you plan for that? You can't, there's, there's just no way. So I, I, I have gone back to betting a lot of, a lot of win bets. I wish you, I wish you were sticking around a little bit longer. I think we're going to do a bus trip down to Monmouth oh, on August 15th. That. Yeah. that hopefully gets some of the, get your brother and some of the crew along with us. But you know, that's another way that I'm very interested in for the future of, of horse racing. If, and you know, from what I've heard, they, they've been very fair about it, the way they're running the books down there at, uh, at Monmouth. But is that, is fixed odds betting something you're intrigued by? Oh yes. Yeah. I would, I would love to see fixed odds all across the country. Um, especially in California. I'm hoping that they're the, you know, the next one to get it. Um, Cause I think there's opportunity there. I mean, if you can get, if you can get the odds, you know, you know, you want, I mean, that's, that's huge. Can't beat that. That's something we're going to be talking about a whole lot more. And if folks are interested in doing that bus trip with us, holler, uh, a con the contact page in the moneypodcast.com. Hit me up on Twitter at Looms Boldly. We've heard from several people already, so I do think this is going to happen. We're going to take a quick break, Duke, and then we're going to come back and talk about the specifics of some of the races you're interested on this card. Whitney Week has arrived at Saratoga, one of the biggest weekends of the season. Eight graded stakes, including the 95th running of the grade one, one million dollar Whitney. Fans also get to witness the second leg of this year's turf triple series, the grade one Caesars Saratoga Derby Invitational. We're going to have some of the sport's biggest stars on track, including grade one winner Hot Rod Charlie, Breeders' Cup champion Life is Good, and Belmont Derby winner Classic Causeway. Join Acacia Courtney and the Naira team as they bring you live racing, expert analysis, and picks. Can't believe they don't name check that kitchen guy in this copy. For live info, for information about where you can watch, we have a little pretty link set up on the website in the moneypodcast.com slash TV is going to get you there. That'll give you the live TV schedule. They've got the online contest. You can find out about that on naira.com as well, as well as the Saratoga showdown. And uh, there's going to be this two day bet, uh, a double Saratoga Derby to the Oaks today into tomorrow. Special pool you might want to check out for more information. Go to naira.com. We'll also put in a quick plug. It's just out of shot here, but you can see uh, if we had a, if we could zoom out, you'd be able to see some of the Bloody Marys on the bar uh, that are made with Albany distilling vodka. We love these Albany distilling guys. They help us make our uh, barrel picks, our, our selections, our in the money whiskey. You can go visit their tasting room down in Albany. Uh, Rick and company do a great job at Albany distilling the Ironweed series of whiskeys and this excellent vodka and rum that they make down there as well, the Quackenbush rum. Check it out. Great stuff from our friends at albanydistilling.com. PTF back with you here at the Brentwood with Duke Matisse, and we're ready to talk turkey, my friend. Right. Where, where shall we begin? I, I kind of want to make you talk about uh, one or the other of these baby races, just because I feel like I, I learned something every time we, we get to talk about two-year-olds. The, there's one that goes as, as the first. That's coming up so soon. I'm tempted to pivot and, and make you talk about the one that goes as, as race number six. I also think it's interesting because it's a seven furlong baby race. And, and maybe I'll ask you generally, you know, how important that switch in distance is from the sharper five and five and a half two-year-old maiden special weights we're seeing. Once they stretch out to seven, I, I, I don't know, personally, I feel like I get a little bit more interested in, in maybe trying to find an angle that isn't super duper obvious. What, what's your what's your opinion about that? Well, seven furlongs is a tricky distance for any horse, let alone a two-year-old. So right. um, I like to see horses that have races already when it, when it comes to seven furlongs with two-year-old. And the, there's two horses in that race that have raced, um, um, raced at pretty well, the two and the three, disarm and perform. They both, I thought both were uh, respectable in their debuts. And uh, I think both of them will be, will be 
on the board, but the I think the hot horse in that race is probably going to be Point Proven. Point Proven uh, out of Todd Pletcher's barn worked with uh, Prank. Yep. Uh, about two weeks ago. The freaky and, thing. And, and, yeah, yeah, the one, one that won, won the other by, day. The one that won by about 10 lengths. Yeah. And, uh, in a fast held time. It, held his own with uh, with that filly. Um, so I don't like debuts at seven furlongs, but Todd could definitely get it done. He's one guy that definitely has them cranked when they, you know, when they debut. So especially on Whitney Day, I think uh, – it's that that race looks chalky to me, unfortunately. One, two, three. <laughs> as easy as one, two, three. Let's back up actually, because you had mentioned to me you had an opinion in race number five as well. And maybe we could get some doubles going, or at least think about it. Um, get some doubles going into that, into that potentially chalky maiden special weight. Race five is the phasing tipped and lure stakes, where we've got a field of eight going post with many familiar names in here, including uh, Public Sector and some like it, Hot Brown. Is this a race you wanted to talk about just because it was a stake, or did you have an opinion in here? I don't have a strong opinion. Um, I do think Public Sector and some like it, Hot Brown are definitely the two horses to beat. The question will be, will, will some like it, Hot Brown make an easy lead? If he does, um, it's lights out, I think, for everybody else. But if the two horse, um, safe conduct, goes with him, I think it'll set up well for public sector. The only price I saw in there was um, Duke of Hazard. Yeah, how could you not bet? <laughs> Hunch play, <laughs> Catherine Bach. But, uh, she was so formative to in my uh, in my youth. Yeah, he ran again. Ran in a, in a tough race at Indiana. Ivar was the winner of that race uh, last time. He was a super good uh, turf horse, and uh, he's got a sneaky chance to maybe hit the board there too. Maybe try to mix the four in with the one and the eight in in race number five. Is yeah, that nothing good? tricky? Gotcha. Keeping it keeping it simple there. Let's move ahead to some of the racing a little bit later in the card. You, uh, I, I think race seven was another one you, you mentioned you might have an opinion in. And this is an important race in that it kicks off the $1 pick six. We talked about the computers not being uh, getting the same type of access in the wind pool. That's also true in the pick six up here. It's not that they're not in there. They just don't have the same right. ability to make a bajillion bets in a second and make it completely efficient. And sometimes between that and the $1 minimum, I do think you get a little bit more meat on the bone in the Naira pick six. What numbers will be on your tickets to kick it off if you opt to play? Uh, tough to beat. It's really going to be tough to beat Warlike Goddess. I mean, she's a, she is a goddess. <laughs> Stone I mean, cold single for you, you think, in horizontal? The only, the only thing I'm probably going to do in here is uh, probably play a 6-3 exact. I like Petrichor uh, coming off two or three trips in a row. Uh, Really bad trips, especially the one-two back at Churchill. So, I'm hoping uh, just for a six-three exact, a single warlock got us in the pick six. Yeah, I love the dollar pick six, by the way. You you agree with the, the idea that that's a little bit more player friendly that we we always espouse on these airwaves? Tremendous, I think. I think it's a great great for uh, the everyday player and and uh, in the big players, you know. To have a one dollar pick six instead of these twenty cent uh, jackpots, I can't stand. It makes you have an opinion, and I think it reduces some of the computer's ability to spread and be right. be efficient. It just the expression I always use is just takes all the meat off the bone. Right. Uh, between when you have a dollar minimum and you've got a, you mentioned before, you a little more. I don't know. You want to call it tourist money, whatever it is. It, it puts meat on the bone. Yeah, it'll be in a, it'll be a like good this. size pool today. I mean, probably be three four hundred thousand. I would guess. As long as we're – let's roll through the pick six a, a little bit. I mean, if you don't have an opinion in a race where it's just a spread race, feel free to say that and dismiss it. But I was curious to get your thoughts on this on this eighth race where it seemed like – and, he, you know, famous last words here. I felt like the value might be in trying to beat the, the hot-looking Todd Pletcher favorite 
St. Tappet with these amazing bloodlines out of Harvard to Grace by, of course, the legendary sire Tappet. But, you know, numerically speaking, didn't seem to have any huge edge over, over several of these. I was going to try to uh, try to make a case for something else. How did you see it, though? Uh, I agree with that because St. Tappet's going to be way, way over bet for how, how much uh, for for basically the talent. Like you said, the talent might be there, but speed figure wise, these horses run very similar numbers. I, I wrote tough race on, the, you know, basically on the top of uh, top of the forums, meaning that there's a lot of horses that can win this race. Yeah. Um, real, real interesting horse, Anejo. I don't like that he drew the rail going seven furlongs, but uh, it's kind of weird Doug would Doug O'Neill would have to bring a horse in here um, on Whitney day. And, and that horse has had some sneaky races uh, back in back form that he has a chance. Uh, fluid situation uh, gets back on Lasix. And if you look back three back when it ran on Lasix, it ran the same number as uh, St. Tappet. So it's a horse I was interested in. A money supply, another horse I thought had a really, really bad trip, Chad Brown. Got to use that one. And, and Osborne, I thought you even had to use. Uh, switch into Irad Ortiz uh, with a little bit of a trip last time. And, and again, the, all these horses are running similar numbers as St. Tappet, who's going to be about even money. Yeah. Will you use that? We had this lengthy conversation on on the pod with uh, with Stephen Chris and JK the other day, both of whom said they're still going to use St. Tappet in their pick six. Just use him as another horse, not as a press other people would tell you the equity of the race is tossing him completely. Where do you stand on that debate? Well, in a pick six, I would, I would, I would include it, but I mean, when I'm using five and, and including the horse, that's going to be even money. I, I obviously am not hoping he wins <laughs> but, uh, and I'm not going to be keying him in that race either. So, but I, I would definitely include it in a pick six. Race nine is the grade one test. You talked about more like goddess as if she's basically nailed to the post. Do you feel the same way about Matarea? I think Warlike Goddess is a more likely winner than Matarea, and Matarea might be a lower price than uh, Warlike Goddess, which is interesting. But they're going to have to, the, these horses are going to have to improve um, to beat Matarea because she's run three races in a row that nobody's got gotten to her figure. The old Omni fig. Yeah, she's the Omni fig. <laughs> but that being said, I think um, a couple horses have a chance to do that. I think uh, Wish You Well, I thought ran first time out at Gulfstream, ran a, re a really good debut and, uh, it's close to Matarea, maybe a few lengths, but could could maybe improve. If something went wrong in the second start, maybe the slop didn't like the slop. Thought that horse uh, has a chance, and I also thought Sterling Silver has a chance if she goes back to to a race two back. Even though she's a New York bred, but Matarea is most most likely. You'd be pressing you'd be back. pressing her up in in picks and using the four and the two for lesser amounts, and then those would be your ones to mess around with in the exacta. Correct. All right, good stuff in the test, the stakes action continues uh, with the grade one Whitney. Uh, as of now, there are no scratches. There was some talk that maybe the one American Revolution was not going to be going here. But as of now, we have scratches in and American Revolution is not one of them. Just to give that update. I wanted to um, pick against Life is Good in this spot. I've been a huge fan of Olympiad. But when I sat down and handicapped this race, Duke, I, I just don't know that anybody's going to be able to lay a glove on Life is Good. How likely of a winner is he? What numbers will you play on your pick six? Life is good is tricky because you know he's the fastest horse, but you don't know if he wants a mile and an eighth at Saratoga. Um, that's This track has been really demanding this meet, and I don't know if a horse like him is going to carry that speed going a mile and eighth, so I'm going to try and beat him. Um, I think he will be in front. He'll be in front for a while, but I also think he'll be about four to five, and Olympiad is a super, super good horse. Uh, I'm going to key Olympiad and um, 
probably use if American Revolution stays in, I'm probably going to use him. I don't know. I heard he was out too, but I'm probably going to use him underneath. I'm going to try to beat Life is Good all together and go Olympiad over um, the one in five. All right. That's so interesting. So in the race where you have an opinion, and you just hear from the way you talk about the race, in the race where you have an opinion, that's where you're not going to use that favorite even just as yeah, another not. horse. And in the, the big the race where they're all in a, in a tight band and you can't really narrow it down, that's where you're not going to be a hero. I mean, that, that right. sort of feels like the difference. Well, it's tough because I got I got other favorites in the ticket. So you can't you can't if you have three favorites in a pick six. You, I mean, what can you make? It's hard. You know what I mean, so we gotta you gotta try to beat one of them. Yes, yeah. J.K. I think would tell you. Well, I'm just gonna be tight and try to hit it for twenty dollars. Yeah, whatever. that's not my style in a gotcha. pick six. But that, I mean, he does. He likes doing that. That is, but it, and it comes down. You're not saying he. You're right and he's wrong. For you, it's a question of gambling personality. Um. There's no you right can and say wrong. he's there's, wrong. There's no right and wrong when you when betting. I, I'm still learning how to bet today. I mean, and I've been doing this for 30 years, and it, it's just it's it's tough to have three favorites in a pick six. I just think the the value is going to go way way down, and you know he he attacks that. I I shy away from that. Gotcha, gotcha. That makes that makes perfect sense. You mentioned about the track being tiring. One thing we always chat about with you when you come on the shows is track bias. Have you seen anything pronounced this meet? Uh, what would you say about that? Most of the days, the rail has not been the place to be, but uh, I believe it was yesterday. The horse in the first race came right up the rail to win. So after maybe the rains and everything, maybe then, you know, they, I, I think trainers were complaining it was a little bit too, too slow. So they were trying to make it a little quicker. And I think now you might see the rail come a little more alive. That's interesting. Yeah. That's a very interesting note ahead of a big day, especially if a runner like life is good. Yeah. If the rail is good, the rail's good how do you beat him? I, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously going to be changing. You know, gotcha. You have to, you got to call audibles here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. Despite the rail, would you call it, would you say, my inclination to say though, it's been more like, the last few years in racing where the rail cannot be good, but speed can still be good as opposed to the old days where it felt like when the rail was dead, it was closers. It's weird the way they're doing these dirt tracks nowadays. They seem like they're the track supers don't want the rail to be, you know, they don't want that iron rail. So they always seem to like keep the, the inside part of the track a hair slower than maybe the next couple paths. And it seems to be the thing around the country that it's caught on. And see, if you look at a lot of racetracks, You'll see speed, but the guys will be off the rail. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would agree with that. Yeah. Let's talk about the Saratoga Derby, which goes as race number 11. I gravitated to the second time North America runners in this spot, Duke, neither of whom had uh, rides slash trips that I, I want to think too much about when I think about how much money I bet on them in the Belmont Derby. So that led me to Nation's Pride and, and Stone Age, but very curious to get your opinion on I this. Bet, I bet Classic Causeway last time, which, you did. Was, which was a great bet on my yeah. part, but I don't like him today. So he got he got a pretty easy second quarter and uh, relaxed on an easy lead, I thought, last time. And I don't think he's going to get that today with uh, with the likes of Emmanuel in here. So. Yeah, remember, he came out on the day and it totally changed the race. And I wasn't, yeah. you mentioned calling audibles. I wasn't smart enough to call that audible. I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. But uh, I like Nation's Pride. I thought uh, Nation's Pride had a little worse trip than Stone Age, even though I thought both ran well. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean on Nation's Pride just because in the middle of the race, he kind of uh, kind of got shuffled, shuffled back and then came widest and, and, and out kicked uh, Stone Age who got who saved some ground and angled out. Um, so I'm, I'm four over 10, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if something, you know, jumped up in this race either. So this race is uh, I don't like Annapolis. I think that horse is going to be way over bet and uh, got a real good trip last time. 
So mostly going to run through the four and the 10. Any specific yeah. long shots to check, to name check as ones who might step up? Um, I would probably lean on um, uh, probably Grand Sonata. Tyler Gaffleone just saves ground. You know, we'll get, might get a might get a trip. You you save ground on this turf course here, and you know you can you can be in the mix. That's all you got to really do: save ground, and 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 it comes down to the last eighth. And if you get get the right trip here on Saratoga turf, I mean, you can things can things can get crazy out there. As you saw, I mean, yesterday there was a horse got loose uh, on the lead and couldn't even get in. you couldn't handicap that ever. I yeah, mean, it was just <laughs> weird things happen on this turf course. It's a good point about Grant Sonata. I mean, on form, only beaten a length the last day and was running in the fast part of that race. Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, I was sleeping on Grant Sonata and now I'm awake to, to his possibility. Yeah, all those horses are, are pretty even. I mean, when you look down there, they're all within, you know, we're all within a couple points of each other. So yeah, yeah that horse trip's going to make the difference there. I, I love that. I think that's a really good horse to look to get to sec second, third, and fourth. You know, maybe class tells in the four and the 10 are going to be ones to key around, but why can't that horse run in the number? Yeah, no reason. Let's talk about the nightcap, my friend. Uh, it's a New York bred maiden special weight going a mile and 16th on the inner turf. I found this one rather <laughs> inscrutable. Uh, for those playing the pick six today, along with you, how are we going to get paid? This is an interesting race. It's a tough race, but there's uh, some interesting horses in here at, at prices. I thought Curlin's Wisdom was an interesting horse who showed speed uh, at Aqueduct as a two-year-old on the turf. Um, didn't run that bad, ran a decent third, and then has come back and it actually improved its speed figures on the dirt. It's one of the angles I, I, I like when horses run on turf when they're younger and then they get a little bit better uh, on the dirt and then they come back to the turf. So, And he's got speed and should make good position. Uh, from an inside post. Another interesting horse in here is Sir John. Now, we talked about Warlike Goddess uh, a little bit while ago. This horse actually worked with Warlike Goddess, <laughs> which is incredible that Mott would put this horse against uh, Warlike Goddess. Obviously, he didn't beat Warlike Goddess, but the fact that he worked the horse with her is, is, is incredible. And uh, so I, I think that horse at 12 to 1 is a definite throw in. First time gelding, right? Yes. So that's interesting too. Yeah. So the three and the five will be two of the numbers on, on, on your tickets. I think you have to include uh, the Pletcher horse from the rail. It was a really slow pace that day, and he closed in a second to a, to a very well-meant uh, Whistler's Honor that day. That was the horse that took all the money and uh, was tons the best. Excellent. Some, some very good thoughts. I wanted to try to tell a little bit of a story about number six, Excursion East, in this spot, 0 for 10, but I felt like, I felt like there was maybe maybe some excuses mixed in those PPs. I thought it was maybe a little bit interesting getting back on the stretch. How can you can you see it if you squint? Yeah, I've been I've been chasing that horse, and I, I, I now that I'm giving up, the horse will probably <laughs> Matisse probably, off yeah, is the Matisse angle. Off. That horse had like five six trips in a row, and then finally last time I bet, and he was no good. So. Me off is a good is a good angle. Great stuff, Duke. All right, with the early post, we're going to wrap this up. I, I I could chat with you about racing all day. You're fantastic as ever. Appreciate you dealing with my curveball questions and uh, giving us some <laughs> thoughts on this card. Very much appreciated. So we'll thank you one more time. We'll thank our friends at the Brentwood, uh, Jellyfish Water, Albany Distilling, and, of course, uh, Naira Betts and, uh, and Naira as well. Hopefully folks will uh, get involved on this great Whitney Day card and uh, – that's going to do it. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kitchen. Got to thank Marcus, not only bartending, but uh, back here pushing all the right buttons at the Farrier Bar as well. I'm Peter Thomas for Natal. 
May you win all your Whitney Day photos. Hero.